welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. I'm Terry Barber. Jess is out. Actually, Jesse's right in our Sacred Heart Chapel, 100 feet from where I'm sitting, filming something very important, a, a video project we're working with Father Chad Ripperger on, on spiritual warfare. Dan Snyder is going to be here in a few minutes to talk about that project and why it's so important for Holy Mother, the Church. Uh, I wanted to uh, mention some need-to-know file stuff. One, Pope Francis names four auxiliary bishops in Los Angeles. So keep those bishop-elects in our prayers that they'll be faithful shepherds to the largest diocese in the country. Also, here in California, we got a governor who's nuts. I'm sorry to say that. He's, he's going to have California tax people's money buy books that were rejected by school boards in California for promoting child abuse uh, man Harvey Milk. You know, you just almost ask yourself, really, uh, we have to uh, deal with that? I mean, our politicians are that bad? Yeah, they're that bad. So we got to pray for that. Wait until you hear Bishop Sheen's quote of the day. It's so appropriate. But before we get to that, let's get some soul food in our souls. Today is from the Gospel of Matthew, continuing Matthew chapter 11, verse 20 to 24. Jesus began to reproach the towns. Think about that. Jesus reproaching the towns hmm, where most of his mighty deeds had been done. Since they had not repented. Sounds like our towns. Have we, been re have we repented yet? Nope. Woe to you, Corsaron. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty deeds done in your midst had been done in Tyra and Sidon, they would have long ago have been repented in sackcloth and ashes. <clears throat> but I tell you, it will be more tolerable for Tyro and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. Whoa! And as for you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will go down to the nether world. For if the mighty deeds done in your midst have been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom, and Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. If that's not a powerful gospel, and it's always powerful for all times, but think about that in our own country, in our own cities, in our own world. Has the world rejected Jesus Christ? Seems to me that in a lot of ways it has. Said it, this, the Bible says it very clearly that it will be more tolerable for Tyra and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. Because we've been given the faith. If we reject it, we're more culpable for our actions. Let's just put it that way. All right, let's bring the smartest guy into the room. And I, oh, Sheen, oh, Sheen ahead. I think Dan Snyder, are you here in my studio A? I want to bring Dan on because I want to get his take on Fulton Sheen. I know Dan and I both have a love for Fulton Sheen. Dan Snyder, welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show, thank, brother. Thank you, Terry. I appreciate it. I just, just rolled in, uh, fought through traffic, and <laughs> just on time. I love it. Dan, I want your, to get your take on this. Bishop Sheen, as you know, every day we have a full Sheen Ahead uh, section. And um, he's just from the book Quotable Sheen. And it's amazing, Dan, that 
60, 70 years ago, he says things that are so applicable today for us. Here's what he said about secularization. Why are we deluged with books about secularization of Christianity? And here's the answer. Bishop Sheen called it. Because the world cannot see any great difference between the way we act and the way it acts. And then this last statement just nails it. No one can influence the world who is too identified with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, full sheen ahead. That's, a, that's brilliant. Yeah, it is brilliant. And Dan, think about this. 70 years ago he wrote this. He saw this coming. It's prophetic. Here's the bottom line. Are we with the world when it comes to uh, even on morals? Many people in the church think that contraception is okay. We, they've bought into the contraceptive mentality. Even though, you know, on the 25th of this month of July, we're going to celebrate the Humanae Vitae uh, document in 1968 where Pope Paul VI said, it is intrinsically evil. See, we don't get it right now. Who in the church, even high officials in the church, haven't embraced it? You know what they've embraced? The world. Yeah, and, and the guise of being rele uh, relevant. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that, that's what it is. I have a uh, one of the one of the priests that really is instrumental in my own my own reversion or, yes. or de deepening of my faith. As, yes. as a, I've been Catholic my whole life, but this priest was a World War II veteran. He he was on the, he fought in Iwo Jima mm. with the army. Uh, U.S. Army, and he said he got on an airplane once, yeah. and uh, the lady sitting next to him said, you know you're no longer relevant. Uh, and, and so that, that, that phrase kind of speaks to, to some of the secularists in the church that think we need to be relevant. We need to get hip. We need to get modern. Yeah. Uh, um, but the, I, I would disagree with that. I think we need, we need, we need to get ancient. Yes. We, we need to get medieval. We need to, get, we need to go deep into the Catholic faith and be other. And, and, and why are the, 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 the traditional communities thriving the, the, or the, or the, the That's right. conservative com Catholic communities are thriving and attracting families because you're presenting something that is other, you know? We're not very good secularists, you know? And so in, in politics, when you say that Republicans don't make good Democrats, so stop acting like Democrats. Yeah. Let the Democrats, they do it better than us. Catholics don't make good seculars. We need yeah. to be completely separate and other and learning our Catholic faith. I mean, uh, uh, holiness and thought, word, and deed, a commitment to Christ, and living the gospel, and the hard parts of the gospel, including the church's teachings on sex sexual ethics. This is, this is, this is what's going to, you know, this is one of the, one of the prophecies of Pope St. Paul VI was the degradation of woman, the breakdown of the family, right. the subjugation of woman. Yep. Uh, all these things are happening as a result of the, 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 the contraceptive mentality that has entered into, in, the secularist mentality has entered into the Catholic Church. Dan, you just came back from Germany. Yep. I'm going to give them as an example of being one with the world. I, I'm, I know we're going to talk about what the project we're working on, but I want our listenership to understand what you saw, because this is a church in Germany that's one with the world. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, that's the, the mantra over there is we need to be more relevant. We need to be relevant to the world. Um, the, the primary crux of the issue in, 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 uh, of the church in Germany, and I got a really good, clear yeah. cavalry scout view sure. of what's going on over there, but they've got this, this church tax. So if you claim to be Catholic, if you profess to be Catholic, 
you the you put it on your tax form. The government takes eight percent and they give it to the church. But then they tell the church how they can spend it. They tell the church who they can hire. They the church can't apply her own principles mm-hmm. on 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 hiring in terms of marriages. And so you have you have a secularist uh, group that have now running the church. Four hundred thousand Catholics, uh, four hundred thousand employees of the of the German church. Only five hundred thousand Catholics go to mass. On, on the weekends, 500,000, more, more people than that go, and here in Los Angeles go That's to Mass right. on the weekend. So 500,000 Germans regularly attend Sunday Mass. And so, but now the German church is, is moving to, to, to train. I, I'm getting this firsthand from priests. You, yes, you were telling us. Yeah, I yeah. heard about this. Uh, they're, they're now training lay people to baptize. What? Right. Lay people are being trained wh- to baptize. Oh my. And what else? Lay people are baptizing. For the longest time, lay people have been preaching. Yep. Lay people have been doing uh, little church Funeral. ladies doing cer- uh, ceremony, I mean, uh, uh, internment, uh, yep. funerals. Yep. Lay people are, if you do a lot of over there in the deliverance ministry, lay people do unbound. And if you do unbound in the fourth chapter or the fourth key, you're listening and hearing people's confessions. Oh, my God. Lay people are laying hands, driving out demons. You know, lay people are doing everything. And so I asked this priest, I said, the only thing left for you guys to do is, is to confect the Holy Eucharist and say Mass. He says, no, there's even groups here where priests will lay hands on lay people and, and do this, uh, this, infer- this, this impartation yeah. of the Holy Spirit, and the gift to say Mass is passed on to them. They've gone completely off the rails. We've, we've got a complete parallel church over there. and even the, So I fly all the way over there on the first day of supposed to be training priests, yes. but they gave the option of going on Zoom, and not one priest showed up because they're afraid <laughs> to be seen. They're afraid to be in public. Oh my. We met with a bishop, one of the good bishops, and the bishop said, no more than three, because we don't want people seeing, or at least his office told us this. Everybody, people are watching who comes and goes here. Wow. It, I mean, it's, it's becoming Stalinistic in their time. Yes. Yeah. yeah they're, and they're, they're undermining the true faith. Dan, the reason I bring these questions up, because you're here for a purpose, along with Kyle and Jesse, and I, I think there's a connection here on what the work you guys are doing with this filming of a, of a, of a video that production that we're working on. And when we come back from the break, I'd like to have you set the stage of why you're here and how people can help us Perfect. get this message into as many people's hands as possible. And uh, yeah, so folks, Dan Schneider, along with Kyle, is here with Jesse Romero. Of their filming in the chapel, just 150 feet away from where we are in our studio. And Dan was able to split away just for this hour to share with us what we're doing in collaboration with Father Chad Ripperger and his group. So I want you to hear this because this could affect mom, dad, the family, the family, the church. You know, Dan said the church is growing with traditional Catholicism. Well, that's what we have here at vmpr.org. Our chapel is so busy. We have masses, confessions going on. We don't have any funny game, fun games that they're playing or trying to compromise the gospel, lowering the bar, and we're growing. And if you look around, not just Germany, but Western Europe, I would say Germany is just indicative of some of the other countries. And when we come back, Dan will give an explanation of why he's here and how this can affect the church to help people fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. I'm going to say it right now. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Yeah, I'm too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, Dan Schneider, Terry Barber, we'd be billionaires. Because you know what our hope is in? Not in man, not in this world, in Jesus Christ. Stay with us, family. We'll be back with break.
Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Dan Snyder visiting here at the Sacred Heart Chapel at Virgin Most Powerful's headquarters with Jesse Romero and Kyle Clement. Dan, I want to ask you, like I did to the people, you're going to share with us, you wrote a new book, but also what we're doing here in the, in the sense of producing a video that, you know, spending a couple of days here to produce, to help people in their faith. So why don't you set the stage, please? Yeah, so I, I, going back to Germany, um, yeah. one of the things that I realized, this is my second trip, Kyle's been over, I think, four times. Wow. Yeah, I've I realized this time, they're not just looking for a program to help people with afflictions, and there's a lot over there, um, because Germany's becoming neo-pagan. Yeah. Um, and we are too, don't, don't Of course. Wrong. Yeah, so so uh, they're looking for help in the United States, they're looking for, for uh, a return to tradition, and this is what we do. Um, the Libra Cristo method, the book that I've just finished, yeah, we're using it as part of our, as Father Ripperger's uh, four-phase protocol, but I also wrote it in mind uh, for any Catholic that wants to go deeper into their faith, mm-hmm. because um, I quote, early on in, in the introduction, I quote uh, Father Gabriel Amorth, who says that, you know, one one good confession is worth a hundred exorcisms. That's right. And that, Famous. And that many, many Catholics, he, he says, he says exorcist sensitives, those are some sensitives or people that, that work on certain exorcist teams have a, somebody who has so-called mystical gifts and charismatics, he said. They oftentimes fall into an error of looking for the looking to, to subvert the ordinary means of sanctification mm-hmm. and liberation, which is prayer and the sacrament. There you go. And suffering. And he says when they, they, when they do that, they, they oftentimes inadvertently fall into the trap of magic, he says. And so we can fall into this trap of magic, and, and, we, and we no longer trust the tradition of the church. We no longer have faith in the true living God. We no longer fall back into the good old-fashioned ordinary means, what, what I would call smash-mouth Catholicism, which is just grinded out through prayer, through sacrifice, mm-hmm. through suffering, and ordering our lives to the sacraments. And so the program that, that, that we're doing uh, is, is teaching what are the sacraments, what is where does the role of the Virgin Mary? She's not just a you know the a model for prayer, a model of docility. Of course, she's all those things, mm-hmm. but she's God's perfect creature. She has right. total subversive power over the demon. She 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 the demon tremble at the name mention of Mary. Just just a month ago, in a, in a, in a, in, a, in a, a, a formal session, the demon yelled out to the whole group. All her, every time you call on her, she comes. <laughs> she puts her mantle around you. At the, at the priest praying, invoking the holy name of Mary, the demon says, no, don't call her, because when she, you call her, she comes. So putting the Virgin Mary first and, and, and center of our spiritual lives, returning to a Eucharistic uh, uh, um, a, a focus in our lives, uh, of Eucharistic adoration, Lexio Divina, exactly. pr- reading Scripture every day, returning to prayer. People think that, that that spiritual warfare is this secret. I need this special secret prayer. It, you know, if I can do this, no, it's a grind. Yeah, and it's a return to tradition. It's return to order and 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 purifying yourselves in your home. Knowing the clean from the unclean, clean from unclean sexual practices. Most yeah. Catholic homes, most Catholic marriages and in, in, in their sexual practice would make a, a 17th century pagan blush. You know, uh, we, we need to get returned to purity. Uh, and so this book tried to walk you through and, and ultimately it's a one long 
deep dive general confession because most Catholics have never done that. They've never realized, yeah, that's a really bad sin. I really, I need to confess that. I really need to work on this virtue because I'm struggling with this particular vice. Right. It's a development of virtue. And this is how we combat. This is how we, this is, this is Catholic spirituality. And Dan, people can pick up your book from Tan Books, but we ask people to go to our website because Tan has been generous in supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. So you want to go to vmpr.org, go to the clip where it says Tan Books. And Dan, what's the title of the book? It's uh, the Libra Cristo Method, uh, A Manual for Spiritual Combat. There you go. So that's the one you want to get. And and again, uh, this book is going to be helpful to mom, dad, the entire family. So go to vmpr.org, click on the Tan Books. Uh, that we have a relationship with Tan. If you go directly to Tan, we don't get a support that we normally get. So that's why Tan put a link on our website because they appreciate what Virgin Most Powerful Radio is doing right now, promoting a book of theirs. So that's how we'd like to do it. Dan, getting back to your purpose here uh, at the Sacred Heart Chapel here in downtown Covina with Jesse and Kyle, I'd like to ask you to kind of tell us a little bit of what you're doing and this video, what are what are the goals of this video? And I might ask everybody, I'll just say it up front. We've got video crews here. We've got expenses to put the guys together, to put this together. And if people want to support it after what Dan tells you about it, I think you will, go to vmpr.org and just put down a donation if you could or call me because I want to know if you really think this is important. I think you do. My cell number is 661 661- Nine seven two seven eight seven two. So Dan, tell us what you're doing with Dan and with uh, Kyle and Jesse. So we're working on uh, a project of doing some in, in, instructional informational videos um, on the subject of, of spiritual warfare, but also um, it isn't an isolated uh, topic of theology or even a practice in mm-hmm. the church. It's it's it, it it brings together every aspect of theology uh, uh, and and practice. Uh, uh, what we do as Catholics. And so we're doing a series of, of videos uh, on anything from the sacraments, on prayer, on how to pray this type of spiritual warfare prayer, the effectiveness of, of, of a prayer regimen, um, generational spirits. What, there's a lot of confusion on what yes. those mean. So we're trying to bring some what, what Jesse would call DDT, Devil Defeating Theology, um, to, 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 to counteract and put out good stuff, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of a mediocre or bad theology out there, and and we're trying to put out some good stuff. Uh, and you've been generous enough to let us use your studio. Oh, wow. And uh, and anytime I can get a little Terry Barber time is, is oh, works for me. Guys, I support you 110. percent I want to also mention there's something that might be uh, well. I'll just give it as a teaser. I know as a lay evangelist, whenever I go to parishes, lots of my goodwilled, charismatic Catholic friends think it's important for them to pray over me. And Dan, I don't let them do that for several reasons, but I ask them for their prayers, yes. But I want to say that I believe you guys are going to be addressing that on the video, but could you just generally give us a shorter version of what's going to be on that video, why people should get the video, is these are the kind of nuggets you're going to get that are, are something that Many people will never address, but I think you guys do. So tell us why it wouldn't be a good idea to have people laying hands on each other. Yeah, it's interesting. In Germany, one of the bishops recently had a, like, it was a world youth or their German youth conference. And, mm-hmm. and at the end, the, the, the lay leaders had all the children raise their hand and say, you know, Your Excellency, let us bless you. Mm-hmm. And the bishop actually stopped and said, you're going to bless me? There's a hierarchy of blessing. Yeah. 
and 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 priest hands are anointed. I was That's I right. was I was present when my my former pastor passed away of cancer years ago, and he, uh, but before he died, he got a, he got the anointing of the sick. Yes. In the last rites, and he put his hands out. That's right. And the and the priest that anointed him took his hands and full, and turned them downward and said, "You are a priest of the living God. Your hands are already anointed." So he anointed the back of his hand. That's, That's right. the custom. Yep. The priest hands are holy. This is a holy gesture. So the imposition of hands is something that flows through office. And that office of the priesthood, the priest can lay hands on people, but lay people can lay hands in blessing on their children or husband upon his wife. So within that familial construct, we're trying to, we'll flesh that out in these videos, yes. explaining this is the construct of the right to bless according to the teachings of the church. I was just reading this the other day in, in the office of readings, and it was talking from, this is of St. Ambrose on mm-hmm. the catechesis on the mysteries. He says, he's talking about the priest. You saw the Levite. You saw the priest, the high priest. Don't consider his outward form, but the grace given by their mysteries. You spoke in the presence of angels, as it is written, the lips of a priest guard knowledge, and men seek the law from his mouth. For he is the angel of the Lord Almighty. There is no room for deception, no room for denial. He is an angel whose message is the kingdom of Christ and eternal life. You must judge him, not by his appearance, but by his office. Wow. Remember what he handed on to you. Weigh up his value and so acknowledge his standing. And so it comes through office. Yes. The right to bless comes through office. And and we track through, uh, and Jesse and I went through this last time I was here, in the Old Testament. Every time the, the, the phrase imposition of hands was used in the Old Testament, it was used either a priestly or a patriarchal blessing. Into the New Testament, you've got Jesus blessing the children. You've got, you've got an impartation of the Holy Spirit uh, um, through, through ordination or confirmation of post-baptismal anointing. Um, or, the, or the imposition of hands upon the sick um, uh, by a priest mm-hmm. uh, or bishop. And so, and so we track this in Scripture and then go into the early church and show uh, awesome. how this develops. But those are some of the things that we're kind of doing to, to kind of clear up some of that confusion. Yes. And I want to mention, if anybody makes a donation, I'll give you a copy of this recording uh, as a way of saying thank you, because uh, it is going to cost some money to put this together. You can go to vmpr.org, or you can call our toll-free number, 877-526-2151. Even after the show, you can call me, and I'll thank you personally by calling me on my cell phone, 661-972-7872. Dan, you gave one example of what's going to be in this video to help people understand what the do's and don'ts of our faith. And, you know, you mentioned traditional Catholicism. Let's be honest. In the last 50 years, as people stop going to confession, going to mass, adoration, uh, what's happened is uh, it's opening up a plethora of demonic influences in our church and even in the world. And I, my question is, is when you talk about the fundamentals of the, of the faith, nothing, you know, nothing sophisticated, just living a sacramental life, living close to having a prayer life, having, I use the word discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm going to say uh, this is my approach, and I want to have your take I think we should have the discipline every morning and during the day of it, whether it's the noontime Angelus. We just automatically, this is who we are. We pray the Angelus. We, we say our morning prayers. We have our, our, our spiritual warfare booklet for, um, that you guys published. And these, this is something we just do, like we, like we eat our breakfast. It's just, this is who we are. And I think that maybe, maybe the word discipline is something that needs to come back in our church. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm a, I was a former military officer, and so, so discipline is important to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was ingrained into me as a, as a young man. We'll put all of our discipline and effort to be successful in the world. Yeah. To be successful, I was a fighter. I, put, I had tons of discipline. I had super rigor discipline mm-hmm. when it came to fighting and training. But when it comes to spiritual life, we suddenly get soft and effeminate as men. Mm-hmm. St. Catherine of Siena, the doctor of the church, said that everybody should pray for 30 minutes a day unless they're busy. She says. I love it. And if you're busy, she said, you should pray for an hour. Right? <laughs> so we need to grind this out. St. Yes. Teresa uh, of Avila, uh, I, quoted, I quoted her in the, in the book as well. She said, she said, when she's talking to her daughters in the pursuit of virtue, she said, I want you to be barbada, right? Yep. That's a Spanish word for bearded, like, like a soldier coming off of campaign in pursuit of virtue. And it takes discipline. Yes. Virtue was just, a, the, the virtue and vice are the same thing in the sense that they are both repeated acts. Right. So developing a prayer life, a life ordered to prayer and discipline is absolutely critical to spiritual. Amen. As we say from St. Augustine, the truth is like a lion. You don't have to defend it. Let it loose. It will defend itself. Amen. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show. Dan Snyder's visiting here at the BMPR studios. We come back. We'll talk more about spiritual warfare and how to stay close to Jesus. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Dan Snyder visiting from New Mexico. We have his new book, Libro Cristo, the Crystal Method, uh, Field Manual for Spiritual Combat. Father Chad Ripperger has written the foreword to the book. Uh, I want to encourage people to pick it up. I got like four or five copies here. And if you call 877-526-2151, I think I can persuade Dan to sign the book for you. Uh, but you need to call 877-526-2151. We're going to make it as a fundraiser also for the cost of putting this production together that we're working on right now in a video. And the book, as again, is a, put out by Tan Books. If you just want to go to Tan Books, please at least go to vmpr.org, click on Tan Books so that they will give us a little revenue to help support the work that we're doing. Dan, this book has been... Uh, you know, going on for a while. You've been putting this together for quite some time. Uh, it shows on the back that, um, that I like what it says, since the creation of man, the devil has sought the ruin of souls. And all, every family member knows this. This is a tactical field manual for those interested, in not only learning more about the spiritual combat, but also engaging and winning the spiritual battles of this present day. It seems to me, I don't know anybody that doesn't, well, I do. There are some people who don't realize that, that life is spiritual warfare about the salvation of their soul. But for those who are trying to strive to save their soul, it seems to me that this book could be, which should be instrumental in helping them have what I would call tools to combat evil. Yeah, this is not a, a, a book about what the saints uh, mm-hmm. who battled. There's good books out there yeah. on these things. Um, sure. This isn't uh, telling stories of things we've seen. Um, this is a straight 12 lessons um, walking you through. These are areas in our experience uh, and an experience of the church uh, and, and a common experience of most exorcists and mm-hmm. those who work with them over time. Areas of that that cause... Give the, give the enemy holding points in your life or in your family. 
um, you know, unforgiveness, areas of, 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 of unintegrated psychological trauma. What do we do with these traumatic experiences? Mm -hmm. What do we do with our trauma? How do we integrate them in, the, as our, as, in our Christian identity? Um, so we try to lay out the rules. Uh, I try to lay out the rules of engagement and 12 steps. Boom. Finish this lesson. Work through it. Here's the prayers that you pray. Commiserate with this type of, you know, and, and try to walk them through in a very logical way. Dan, I was thinking about statistically women in this country, right here in America, about one out of four, or one out of three, I've heard both statistics, women that have been sexually abused mm -hmm. as a youngster. And I've dealt with many young women, and not so young, 20, 30, 40 years later, it still is affecting them in a negative way. My question is, is your book going to help them overcome a couple things? One, the anger that they have for their brother, sister, whoever did the abuse, father-in-law, somebody in the family most of the time or outside the family, how can they overcome that uh, spiritual abuse and the sexual abuse that they responded, that they received when they were youngsters because all of their other relationships have been affected poorly? And this is a huge problem in America. Big problem. And I would say that the, the majority of cases... Um, at least, at least a, a, a significant majority, yeah. over fifty percent, if not more. Yeah. There's sexual abuse involved uh, in cases of, of, of that we're dealing with um, because of the trauma, mm -hmm. and the psychological trauma. Yes. And it, we distinguish in the book okay. between trauma and violence. And I use uh, besides Christ, Christ suffered perfect uh, violence, but no trauma. Trauma is. The way we define it is subjective, mm -hmm. our subjective response to violence that happens to us. Maria get Maria Saint Maria Goretti would be the 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 icon for us. Yeah. To look to to have the perfect response, the perfect Christ-like response, begging her attacker not to. She died in defense of her purity, but also begged her attacker not to commit this mortal sin, right. put his soul in danger. Incredible. That's a tremendous value. Uh, for us to see today. And so so understanding how do we integrate this? And it goes back to something, you know, I, I can lay down the, the theology of it, what, what, what voluntary expiatory suffering means, yeah. but our grandmothers and our mothers knew it better than that. And, and when they would tell us to offer it up. Yep. Offer it up. This is what St. Teresa, uh, Benedicta of the Cross, I was just at and where she where she got her, took her name, Benedicta, wow. Buron Abbey uh, in, in, in Germany. I sat in the pew where, where she used to pray, the monk. Wow. This is where she sat. I sat there. <laughs> and I'm not an emotional guy, but I got emotional. I would. There. Yeah, I got emotional. It was Of course. Beautiful. Here's what she says. Born on the Day of Atonement. This is what I told the priest. This saint, born on the Day of Atonement, born a Jewish girl on the Day of Atonement, Says her last recorded words were to her sister were her, to her sister. They took her to Auschwitz and her and her sister Rosa. Come, Rosa, let us die for our people. Let us die for the German people. Uh, and so this this understanding of offering oneself up uh, and offering up your suffering, particularly if through sexual trauma. Um, here's what here's what she says. When someone desires to suffer, it's not merely a, a pious reminder of the suffering of the Lord. Voluntary expiatory suffering is what truly and really unites one to the Lord intimately. 
She says, because Christ the head affects expiation in these members of his mystical body who put themselves body and soul at his disposal for carrying out his work of salvation. And so we enter into the, the mystical appropriation and distribution of graces, subjective distribution of graces, when we, when we voluntarily offer our suffering up. And so, you know, St. Paul to Colossians 1.24. That's I, where I was going. I rejoice yep. in my suffering. Yep. Right? And the Protestants tell us, wait a minute. What could be finished? Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. Yeah. What could be lacking? St. Mm-hmm. Paul says, I make up what's lacking in the suffering of Christ's body, which is, uh, which is the church. And so offering up these things, learning how to do this, not just in your head, right. but truly surrendering and conforming yourself. When, when Father Riverger did the first peer reading of the, my first draft, I kept using the word surrender. And he says, you know, in tradition— uh, the the proper word is conformity to the will of God, mm. and so a great book, a great resource is is um, uh, Saint John de Colombier. He's got a book oh, yeah. on conform. Well, it's called Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence, but the whole thing is on conformity. Yeah, because I think it's a translation issue from the French, and so conforming yourself, allowing every aspect of things that happen to us throughout the day, offering these up as directing fire. Uh, from down down on heaven upon upon earth by offering your suffering up. This is a powerful way. This is the deep waters of Catholic spirituality that's neglected because none of us, let's face it, none of us like to suffer. Exactly. Do as I say and not as I do. I mean, we have to learn to surrender, you know. We have to learn to let these things go. And when you, when, and when we let go of the trauma, the demon finds a softer target. When he, when he gets somebody that's projecting uh, memories of psychological trauma, we, I walk you through the book on how to integrate those and how to offer these up, how to identify these areas in these individuals that I need to forgive and how to offer up your suffering for them. The demon will find another target. He's gonna, he will not actively, willfully participate in the salvation of souls. And so when you're offering up your suffering for the, for the one who, who most hurt you, that's very powerful. That's, that's deep waters Catholic spirituality. A couple things I want to comment on. One, Bishop Sheen talks about a priest. Uh, some, he brought some seminarians to an elderly woman who was in an iron lung. This was back in the 1960s. And she had been offering her suffering up for all the seminarians at this particular seminary. So Fulton Sheen in New York brought them to go see this lady. And when she spoke to these young men, unfortunately, some of the young men thought that the priesthood would be just for fun and games. She communicated to them, gentlemen, don't forget, you are priest and victim. And I've quoted this, I quoted this to the, to the German priest. I said, if you look at the, 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 uh, the readings, okay. uh, um, the pref- I think it's the preface to the Eucharistic prayer on Good Friday, mm-hmm. it says, priest, victim, and altar of sacrifice. Yes. And if you're in persona Christe, that's right. That's that's who you are. You nailed it. That, you know, but again, you and I as husbands and fathers, yep. St. Paul says that we should die for our wives as that's Christ right. for the church. Amen. As he cru- as he died mm-hmm. for his bride, we are to do the same. We are, as men, called to be priest, altar, and victim of sacrifice as well at, in our homes. Yes. In our, but that's the that's the key element is that we have this fantasy, Terry, that and, and many, many young, young you know, need Neophytes have this idea. Well, I've given my life to Jesus. I, I, I've, I've stopped looking at porn, and, and, and I, I, I haven't smoked pot in at least three weeks, and, and I haven't looked at porn in a month. 
And now why is everything getting so bad? I thought if I give my life to Jesus, everything's going to be hunky and dory and awesome. You know, and we have to remember that Jesus puts three conditions on discipleship. If you wish to be my disciple, these three conditions are operant and ongoing. Deny yourself daily, pick up your cross daily, and follow me daily. These are the conditions of discipleship. And so we, we have to get out of this burst of this bubble, uh, this fantasy that, that, that we're not going to suffer, particularly if we give our lives to God. In fact, the opposite is going to be true. That's when the resistance is going to come. This is when the, your true love is going to be tested. You know, I believe that if we really understood redemptive suffering, uh, the souls in purgatory would be released. Uh, sinners would be converted because of what the Bible has said, but also Our Lady of Fatima said this, that souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. So I think of St. Monica with her son Augustine, 20 years of praying for her son. Yeah. So I want to ask you when we come back from the break, Dan, the application of understanding redemptive suffering to the entire church. I mentioned that I think it would be a very positive thing for the souls in purgatory and for conversion of sinners. But can you give us, when we come back from the break, some applications? There's prayers that can be prayed specifically for loved ones who are away from the church. And I'd like to talk about that. And also, I want to remind everybody, Dan's book, Liberal Cristo Method, a field manual for spiritual combat, published by Tan Books. Again, go to vmpr.org's website, Click on the right-hand side, Tan Books. It links you right to ordering Dan Snyder's book. You can pick that up. They will uh, give you um, the, the book there. But if someone wants to get a signed book from Dan, I've got him right next to me in my studio. I'll twist his arm for you. For $100, you'll get the book, and you'll get it signed by the author, Dan Snyder. Call 877-526-2151. I'll repeat it. 877-526-2151. And if you want to order it from my cell phone, talk to me. I have no problem chatting with you. I like talking to people. Call 661-972-7872. We'll be back with more on how spiritual warfare can apply to your family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Actually, Terry and Dan Schneider filling in for Jess. Wow. I'm blessed to have both Dan and Kyle and Jesse uh, today here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. We're working on some projects with the video that should help a lot of people. Dan, I was talking a little bit before the break about suffering. And I think of a bishop who I do a show every Tuesday here. Uh, Matter of fact, right after our show, I want people to listen to Bishop Joseph Strickland because he's willing to lay his life down for his sheep. And he has said something about persecution, about suffering, because, as you know, he's being investigated uh, by the Vatican, and they're sending people out there, they did, and they're saying, well, you know, he might be, you know, he's he's speaking too much about the deposit of faith, and he's going to continue to speak the truth on the faith. And if he gets persecuted, here's what he said, Dan. He said, to be persecuted for speaking the truth is an honor every Christian should be willing to embrace. It is walking with Jesus Christ, who is truth incarnate. If we know Jesus, it's easier to speak his truth, no matter what forces oppose us. The last statement, check this out. 
The opposition is temporary. Apply that to suffering. Yeah, it's temporary. Jesus is forever. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, um, one of the marks, if, uh, Pius the, Pope St. Pius X wrote an encyclical on the 50th anniversary of the, the, the um, Declaration of the Immaculate Conception. Mm-hmm. He marked what he called the plague of modernism. Yes. And so he mentioned several aspects of modernism, and which is quite interesting. One is the rejection of the law of uh, the redemptive value of suffering. Yes. The rejection of wow. the effect of evil in the soul. Oh, check two. Yeah, the rejection uh-huh. oh. of the authority, both civil and ecclesial. Therefore, needing no need for a redeemer, there you go, or, or a redeeming church. Oh my God! And this is when he she he he reaffirms the title of Mary, exterminatrix of all heresies, in this encyclical. So we're living in this time of modernism. Modernism. We're looking. We're looking at full-throated modernism. Yep. And the final, the modernism attacked first scripture, and then the church, yeah. and then natural law, right. and then church law, and now the attack is on the priesthood. If you think of that, keyed back together, am I am I? My own analytical brain, I remember during the, the year of um, St. John Vianney, the year of the parish priest, maybe 20 years ago, if you remember that, Pope do. John Paul had the year of the priest. John, St. John Vianney said this, if you remove the Catholic priest from the village, in 20 years they will be worshiping the beasts. And I remember hearing that 20 years ago thinking, that's pretty extreme. Yeah. But here we are. If you do not have the, the Catholic priest standing in the gap, feeding his flock, yeah. true faith, true religion— Eventually, we're going to revert back into 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 pagan forms. That's right. Even if it's if it's a syncretic or syncretistic uh, Catholic pagan slash mixing together, the demon doesn't care. The demon only works in the objective, yeah. but he constantly wants to drive us to make subjective responses. Amen. God knows my intentions. I didn't mean to do evil. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but 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 when when it comes to stand for judgment, he's going to stand and objectively, yes, objectively accuse us. And so we have to we have to work in the objective. An objective. Nowhere in the Catholic tradition is our our emotions, our subjective feelings, have any indication of our relationship and standing before God. We often fall into this trap of wanting to to go to get this prayer meeting and have this prayer form, and so I have this emotional satisfaction, as opposed to the dry walking with Christ, grinding it out, Catholic faith, knowing that staying in a state of grace through the sacraments. This is very very critical in spiritual warfare, and objectively speaking. God wants our participation in the distribution of graces. This is the teaching, the, the teaching of the of of the, the Catholic Church on redemptive suffering. This is a powerful weapon in spiritual warfare that is ignored in every other every other model of deliverance. It's always let's just get these guys demon free. Let's just pray over them so they're, so they're free, yeah. as opposed to let's help them walk with Christ and whatever Christ wants them to become more Christ-like and become holy. Well said. Right. And, and what it, help them remove the obstacles that keeps them from being united with Jesus Christ. Dan, well said. And on our website, we have the declaration from the Holy Father, Pope Pius X, on modernism. It's a short document to read, but I would say you might want to read that just to, we've ever since we started vmpr.org. That's been on our website. Also, Dan, this whole aspect of redemptive suffering it seems to me that in a modern church, many people have forgotten that not everybody is going to be saved. In other words, the Bible talks about few that are going to be saved, and many will not be saved. And it seems like in our world today, we think it's just the reverse, but that's not a biblical worldview. So I'm wondering if this idea that universal salvation, meaning, hey, I'm a good guy, I didn't kill my neighbor. I give some money here and there. I support people. I'm going to get to heaven. 
Do you think that that attitude has been instrumental in undermining the seriousness of someone wanting to live a Christ-centered life? Yeah, it's the temptation to be good enough. I'm a good guy by today's worldly standards. I'm a decent fellow. I haven't killed anybody. Heck, I used to be an altar boy. <laughs> oh, big deal. Right? I mean, that's, a, that's what you hear. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, so, so this idea that, that just be good enough, or, I, or he, we'll hear it this way too. Gee, I, I just, I'm just hoping for purgatory. Yeah, Catholics always say that. Yeah. You need to read the book Hungry Souls. Um, I, I'm not sure if that's a, t- I think that's a tan book, but it's a book called Hungry Souls about souls that have that have come back by God's permission to ask yes. for prayer. Purgatory is not a pleasant place. Uh, it, 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 you remember, what, and also going back to what uh, St. Faustina said, if the angels could envy us, they would envy us for two things. One, because we can receive, receive our Lord in, commun- in Holy Communion. Okay, fair enough. But number two, he, she says, if the, envies were capable of en- if the angels were capable of envy, they would envy us for our, our ability to suffer. That's, that's amazing. Now, that's amazing to think that the, envy, the angels would envy our ability to unite our bodies in, in suffering with Christ. But this is precisely, um, again, the deep waters. This is, this is the power of suffering uh, in the Catholic Church. Let me read this from Pius X, Mississippi Cor- Pius XII, Mississippi Corporis. He says, Our Savior does not rule the church directly in a visible manner. He wills to be helped by members of his body in carrying out the work of redemption. This is not because he is indigent or weak, but because he is so wielded for the greater glory of his spotless spouse. Dying on the cross, he left to his church the immense treasury of redemption, towards which she contributed nothing. But when those graces come to be distributed, not only does he share the work of sanctification with his church, but he wills that in some way it will be due to her action. Mm. This is a deep mystery and an inexhaustible subject of meditation that the salvation of many depends on the prayers and voluntary penances which the members of the mystical body of Jesus Christ offer for this intention and on the cooperation of pastors and souls of the faithful, especially of fathers and mothers of family, a cooperation which they must offer to our divine Savior as though they were his associates. So good. I want to quote Pope Pius the Twelfth too. Back in 1949, Dan, there were 200,000 people at St. Peter's Square, and he said some prophetic things. He said to the lay people there, do you want a church that remains silent when she should speak? And the answer came out loudly at the people, no! Do you want a church that, dismish, that diminishes the law of God when she is called to proclaim it loudly? And the people said, no! And the Holy Father said, do you want a church that departs from the unshakable foundations upon which Christ founded her. And of course, the people said no. And it goes on and on. This is one of my favorite presentations by the Holy Father. And the question Mike, comes up to me today is all of the things that he said we shouldn't want. Not all, yes, every one of them. I go through this whole thing. Many people in the church have said, yeah, we want to be one with the world. But it goes right back to what I said when Bishop Fulton Sheen, with a quotable Sheen, said that uh, about secularization, our church has become secularized by modernism. And this is what Bishop Sheen said. Why are we deluged with the books about the secularization of Christianity? Because the world cannot see any great difference between the way we act and the way it acts. No one can influence the world who is too identified with the world. And that, to me, is the answer. We need to be holy and set apart so when the world sees us they go i want what you have am i under something dan absolutely if you look at uh, the second vatican council says that 
uh, um, that the lay charism mm-hmm. is secular in nature. Yes. And so... Sanctify uh, the temporal order. Exactly. So we, we have this idea that, oh, this guy has a conversion experience. He goes to Mass three out of four, maybe four out of Sundays, four out of four Sundays. Maybe he should be a Eucharistic minister. Maybe he should be a deacon. <laughs> but, you know, maybe, you know, I mean, we need to be in the world. We go into, we go to the altar of God. We, we sit at the feet of the church. We learn good print, first principles. Then we go into the secular world and we trans, we bring, we be, become salt and light to the secular world, bringing the gospel. And whatever way God has called you in your own vocation, yes. your primary vocation for married people, I mean, primary, is, is, the grace flows to your marriage. That's right. So work on that marriage. Make, a, make your home a Catholic home. And wherever you are, if you're a teacher, if you're a lawyer, you're a business guy, you should be living your Catholic faith. They should say, wow, now that's the way a Catholic, that's the Catholic business. You bet. That, there's something special about this classroom. This is a Catholic teacher. She doesn't have to wear a crucifix. She doesn't have to, 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 to get preachy. Yeah. Live the gospel. Bring those values into, into the workplace, wherever you are, wherever God's planted you. Well said, Dan Snyder. Again, you're here for a couple days here at the uh, Sacred Heart, historical Sacred Heart Chapel to put this video project together. If people want to help support what we're doing, you like what we're hearing, call us at 877 877- Five two six two one five one. Dan, we have Bishop Joseph Strickland on right after our show, so I want to remind everybody who's not able to hear it on their radio station to go ahead and get our free app, vmpr.org's app, and then you can hear the good bishop speak. We call him America's Bishop because he speaks so clearly about the Catholic faith, and I think that if you haven't heard it, you should take a serious consideration to listening to one of his shows, and then you're going to say, wow. He speaks the truth with charity and clarity. Dan, wrap it up. Again, you're here. People are, are I want to make sure if anybody makes that donation, $100 or more, they can actually get your book. They can actually um, get a copy of the video. Uh, if uh, they make a donation of $100 to virginmostpowerfulradio.org, go to our website or call 877-526-2151. Dan, let's wrap it up. You quoted Fulton Sheen not long ago. I did. At the, at the time, uh, in times of crisis. Now, I think Fulton Sheen is probably quoting St. John Henry Newman. Oh, yes, they all do. <laughs> in times of crisis, it's yeah. the lady that will save the church. That's right. He said and it that isn't, it isn't that, that we're going to be up there uh, being priests. No. It's that we're going to save the church by, by putting out good theology, by living our Catholic right. faith, by, by, by holiness of thought, word, and deeds. Amen, brother. Help us out on this project. We need your help. Amen. Dan, I'm going to ask if you if, we're, if you were just from Maryland, I'll say, Dan, what state should we be living in, brother? The state of grace. You nailed it. He got it. <laughs> and again, I know I repeat this every day, but it's so important to understand what redemptive suffering can do for you and your family. Our Lady said it well back in 1917 at Fatima, reaffirmation of the gospel. He said, Souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Please consider making the sacrifices that are necessary for the salvation of souls. And I want to leave you on one more note. Never worry about who will be offended if you speak the truth. Worry about who will be misled, deceived, and destroyed if you don't. Sins of omission, meaning we need to speak the truth and charity. I want to thank all of our listeners who have been supporting us. I think I told you we had 2 million views in the last 14 14 days on YouTube. Why? It's not because of the way I part my hair or Jesse. It's because we tell people the truth with charity and clarity. Up next, Bishop Joseph Strickland. Stay with us.